What is up, everybody? This is Dave Schmidt, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Super pumped that you are here on this podcast. We talk about game changers. We talk to life changers. We talk about things that really matter. So sit back, listen up, and enjoy Lasting Learning. everybody welcome back to another episode of the lasting learning podcast i am so glad you are here this uh this episode is going to be a good one it's going to be a good one um a because you're here you're listening you're growing but because today we have an extra special guest we have a guest who is not only brilliant but she is connected she is she's got great relational skills She's an attorney. She's a cat lady. She's got it all going for her. She's an author. She's got multiple books in the pipeline. She's got books out there right now. She will blow your socks off talking about AR and AI and pretty much any other acronym that you can come up with. Um, she is just, she's pretty much a rock star in the edu landscape right now. And I'm so glad that I get to welcome Rochelle Danae Poth to the podcast. Rochelle, welcome to Lasting Learning. I, I'm almost speechless after that welcome and introduction. Like, I don't know. I do think that, thank you for having me, first of all, and for, for so many uh, wonderful words and complimentary things that you said. But the, uh, my, I think my favorite new word, that, and I've not ever heard this before, edu landscape. Boom. We just, we, yes. we just we, I just made that up and we're going to roll with it. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. No, so thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. And uh, when I hear you say all those, all those things, it's like, did I really do all of that? You know, I mean, we're all so busy. It's like, where yeah. do you find the time to do different things? But um, I was just talking to somebody a couple of days ago about, you know, looking at the future and thinking back to like, where was I five, 10 years ago? Or, you know, you're on Facebook and it pops out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think back like five years to my last class reunion, how entirely different my life was like there is nothing that I could re re refer back to back then refer to back then that would make me even think that I would be doing like one of these things now so it's um yeah I mean and it just makes you realize like yeah anything is possible <laughs> you just gotta like learn some time management um put yourself out there but anyway thank you again for having me here to talk with you no absolutely and so let, let's paint the edgy landscape with uh, okay with who you are a little bit you know before before I hit record, you and I had a, a little conversation and we were talking about how sometimes it can be awkward to be on camera or to be recording or even being on Twitter or Facebook because you don't want to feel like you're doing a bunch of self-promotion. And I think that's what's mm -hmm. cool about these kinds of conversations that, that we're going to have because it's, yeah, you've got all these projects, you've got all these books, but we're not here just to sell those. You are absolutely incredible and you've got all this knowledge and wisdom and um, about education um, and school and all that, but you got a lot of life experience in you too. You, you've done a lot. And I'm, I'm gonna focus on something that really caught my eye. Okay. Attorney. Yeah. And I, that catches my eye because I went to law school, but did mm. absolutely nothing with it. Because I realized, yeah, I went there to see if I could get in. I got in and I realized I wasn't as smart, enough, as, smart as I thought I was to actually go and do anything with it. But you are an attorney. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, that that is a question I have been asked a lot in the I mean over the whole span. I mean, I graduated law school in 2006, so it's been a while and I always joke like, "Yep, I only have like 13 more years on those loans." <laughs> but I mean, you know, people will say, "Do you regret it or or do you wish you would have done something differently?" And, and not at all. But um it was something that the way that I got into it, you know, when I graduated from Penn State, I had my degree in teaching French. And I didn't know that I really wanted to go into education. I had some family members who were in education. I loved playing school as a kid, just like to learn. Um, but I kind of got to the point where they're like, you need to make a decision. So I was doing well with French, graduated, tried to get a job teaching, couldn't find one. And people suggested, oh, you know, you should go back and get a certification in history. And I really didn't see that as an interest for me but the natural progression was to get another language. So I went into the Spanish, and as I was taking the courses um, at, at University of Pittsburgh, they had courses in translation. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool to be like a translator. Um, so I took things like medical translation, business translation, the amount of vocabulary that I learned for all of these different things, like places and engineering and the components, I was just like, 
wow, there's so much to know. But the one thing that really stuck with me were all of the courses I took for legal translation. And I did that both for French and Spanish. So anyway, I started to get this interest in the law, thought about, hmm, you know, I wonder if I could, can we pause? All right, we just took a so, quick pause there. I don't know if you guys saw the cat lady. She's like a cat whisperer. <laughs> cat walked in. She's got the cat trained to open doors, like all kinds. Can you get the cat to go get you a beer real quick too and then come back or not yet? Okay. No. <laughs> translation, legal translation. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I took the translation courses for French and for Spanish because I just found them to be so interesting. And I didn't, I didn't realize at the time the connection with the, the languages and the, the law and so forth. But I thought about maybe becoming a paralegal just like on the side. Uh, there were not programs available during the day so, or in the summer. So I said, okay, forget that. I just decided at one point, I think in my late 20s, to like, you know, maybe I'll just see how I do on the exam to get into law school, see what happens. Got the test scores, had no idea what that meant. Oh, well, probably won't get in anyway, let it go. So then a, a few years after that, I thought, I wonder if, you know, I don't want to be someday in the future like, yeah, I wonder if I could have applied, gotten in. And I didn't tell anybody. Um, I had to take the test again because, you know, two years or so had passed. Uh, applied only to Duquesne because Duquesne University has an evening program. And I thought if I get in, great, I'll decide. And if I don't, then I know. And uh, I got the letter that I was accepted and I'm like, all right, so I got to make some decisions. And it's kind of funny because, you know, telling my family, they're like, but you have a job. I'm like, I know, but I kind of want to do this. And then when I made the call, you think it's like undergraduate when you're like, oh, I can take a course at like 9 a.m. or yeah, yeah. whatever I want. Oh, no, you come Monday through Thursday night and you have four different courses and it's like 6 till 9.30 and it's, it's four years. And I'm like, all right, so I'm going to be living in a school, <laughs> different schools, but I really wanted to do it. And uh, it was hard. I mean, yeah. very challenging to do the, the teaching full time. And then to go, you know, four nights a week into Pittsburgh, which is about a half an hour from my house. And there were days I would come home after school and then drive back down there. And you know, it was a hundred miles in the car, uh, studying all weekend, but I was not going to, you know, take any chances with it. And you would often find me in the library with like books stacked up, like writing notes, typing notes, listening, still to cassettes at the time because they were still out there. But, you know, just going for it with everything I had and to see what would happen. But did you know, graduate in 2006 and uh, passed the bar first time. And I did some legal work on the side and I keep up the attorney, you know, the practice and my licenses or my license and everything. But I really don't think that, and I say this with about probably 95% accuracy. And I've said it several times is I really don't think that I would still be teaching had it not been for going to law school. Um, just, I mean, just the amount of growth personally, professionally, and what it, it helped me to change as far as being a teacher, yeah. it, uh, it definitely was a good decision. But, you know, whether or not I actually ever fully practice as an attorney, who knows, <laughs> could happen. But it comes in handy in so many ways uh, that I didn't even realize at first, but just I catch myself a lot of time. Or people will call and say, hey, you know, I got a legal question for you. <laughs> if it's not, hey, I got a cat question for you. It's one <laughs> or the other. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, can, I can relate to a lot of what you just said. The law school experience, sitting in as a student, really, mm -hmm. it, it, it transformed me as a teacher, just on, on how I taught. And I actually just had a conversation yeah. today in my day job. So I'm a curriculum director, and I get to work with a bunch of principals. And we were going back, and we were looking at the M-STEP, which is the big exam here in Michigan for all of our students. And there are questions in there. In the 10, 15 years ago, questions would have been, Students read this passage and tell us the main idea, just comprehension questions, go back and cite the evidence. And now it's all about citing the best evidence and determining uh, your own point of view versus the author's point of view. And mm -hmm. in law school, that's how it's taught. It's all very Socratic. They say, here's a bunch of facts. You need to figure out which one is the, is the best fact, which mm -hmm. what evidence really relates to this case. And it's, it's revolutionary. It's the Socratic method of teaching <laughs> really yeah. forces people to think in a different way. It, did you have that same experience? Was it mind-boggling for you at first? Um, it was because I know even just in high school and in college, I mean, I struggled with trying to figure out exactly how to study and to prepare because things don't, I mean, foreign languages, those came easier to me for some reason. I just connected with it, but other classes, I could read something so many times and do whatever it was. And then as soon as I try to apply, it's like gone. 
Um, and, and kind of like just that, you know, that low level, like ask me the question, here's the answer right back to you, but applying it in that different way and, you know, really being pushed in some of the classes. Like I had one class my first year and, you know, you have to recite cases and I prepared, I over-prepared. I mean, people would joke me like, oh, there she is reading all of her law books again. I'm like, yeah, cause I'm not going to take any chances. So it was my turn to do a case in contract law and, uh, called on me to prepare and present the case. And I knew all of the basic, the facts and everything. And he just kept asking these questions. I kid you not for an hour and a half, the last half of class that night, it was like my show. He kept trying to give me answer questions. I had no idea what the answer was that he wanted. People were trying to whisper and help. Like they were sweating. I was sweating. And I'm looking at the clock and I remember thinking, okay, it's like five minutes until class ends. It's just going to end. We're going to be done. No, because he says next week we'll pick up with Poth and maybe she'll have the answers to the questions next time. So then the next week, another hour and a half. Wow. So I developed tremendous wait time in my own classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and it also helped me to, um, to realize to connect with students too. Like we ask the questions and if, if they don't know, and sometimes I would just let them go with that and say, okay, and you know, go call on somebody else. But working with them, but also not just answering the simple lower level questions, like getting them to think and get to that productive struggle point where it is uncomfortable. I mean, there are times that I don't know the answer to a lot of things and I'm like, oh, I just want to give up. But you know, what kind of an example does that set? But it really did, like you said, like it gave me a different perspective of, you know, my role in the classroom, what it's like to be a student, kind of all of that is what kind of pulled me back into the profession in a way. Not that I was really in a, ever disengaged, but I said earlier on, like, I didn't know this was something that I could see myself doing for, you know, 30 years or whatever, just because when I got into it, it wasn't something that I was like, yeah, I've wanted to do this since I was whatever age. I mean, I liked school, I liked learning, but I didn't see that I could be, you know, beneficial or that I would be very effective in that role at that point. So, but you know, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about you is I feel like you're someone that you knock down walls. Yeah, you, you don't see obstacles. You, you see obstacles and they're in front of you, but then you just, you say, okay, I'm coming through it. So it, it's going to have to move. You know, if, if you, if you have a desire, you go get it. You know, I, I'm thinking mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go back to, you talked about your undergrad and you were getting a degree in French. And I, I don't know if this is true or not, but there might be some people out there that might have some kids going into, into college in the next couple of years. And if they were to, if those kids told their parents they were going to go get a degree in French, it's sort of like saying, I'm going to go get a degree in liberal arts. And the parents would say, what are you going to do with that? You know, but mm -hmm. you got a dream. <laughs> you were going to do something with it, right? And then, right. and then you go get a job and you say, okay, I'm going to go to law school. And what are you going to do with that? I'm just going to go to law school. You know, it's, you want to do something, you're just going to go get it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. That, that, and that comes from, you know, my upbringing too with my parents, uh, just, you know, always so supportive and. You know, you never know until you try. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I have come up against a lot of roadblocks or things. And I'm just like, but you try and think, you know, of little hacks around them sometimes. Right. And they may not always work. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I do like a challenge. And I've been better about challenging myself more because I want my students to do the same thing. And so I can't be, and for so long, I was just like, oh, you don't want to speak in front of the classroom because your friends, like, I don't get that. Like, why wouldn't you know them? but I myself did not want to speak in front of my own peers at professional development. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want to do the same thing that they don't want to do, but yet I'm forcing them to do this. And I thought, yeah. well, <laughs> I better dive right in. And, um, you know, and sometimes it is uncomfortable, but I like, I like those challenges because it keeps me moving and not, you know, and not like I was always like this. I mean, I've just said this so many times too, even this past weekend, I was at rewire and telling like, well, I was a terrible teacher for 15 years or so. And I oh, know probably not. I go, no, looking back now, things I know, things I intentionally did not do because either they were, you know, uncomfortable for me to make the changes, or I was just thinking like, no, like a student can't come in and teach a class or like, what do you mean you can sit on the floor working groups? Like we never did that. So why should I let you do that? And having that knowledge now, I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I would change all those things. But we can't. So now I do try to like thrive a little bit more on, you know, taking some risks. And if there is somebody says, Oh, it's not going to work. And I'm like, well, 
me think about that for a minute. Like, Challenge. might not be the exact same thing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's crazy hearing you know how how you start off to to where you are now. So, for people that that don't necessarily know like your passions right now, a, a lot of it deals with technology. Um, Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the foreign language. Well, it is a foreign language, I guess, when, you're, when we're talking coding. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's, 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 not, it's not law. It's not the study of history. It's not foreign language. It's technology. Well, how did that evolution mm-hmm. come into, you, into your life? How did that become a new passion? Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the other surprising things when people, especially <laughs> like, you know, at school, we have open houses for our, open house for our parents. And I'm the Spanish and STEAM teacher, and it's easy to make that connection because you go, oh, okay, the A and the arts. But when I talk about some of these topics at conferences, or if I write about them, it's like, how did you get into that? And I always loved tech. Back when computers started coming to the classrooms, you know, we had AOL and like creating your first email account. You're like waiting for the connection. Like, is this going to happen? There might be it's some just... teachers out here listening that haven't been teaching for the last time. <laughs> AOL, America Online, you know, we had to do the dial-up and saw the little running man on the The screen. running man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. old days. Old days, <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was always part of what I'd like to do. And in my classroom, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now, I really, I mean, I was just teaching and talking at them, same worksheets, packets, you name it, all, all things were the same. And I wanted to do some different games in our class, but we didn't have enough devices back then. So I would take my students to the computer lab and just give them a typed up list of websites, which of course that was tricky because is it a capital L? I mean, is it an L? Is it a capital I? Is it a what? You know, the letters. So they'd be typing them all in. And of course now there's better ways. You can put all of those onto a Padlet or curate them somehow and just share them out. But that was my, I guess, start into using tech in my classroom. Also teaching students why translators like Google Translator, the other ones like are not good for learning language at that level. Um, total different story if you're learning it to travel or for, you know, whatever, but uh, trying to pull it in different ways like that. And so I gradually built things up. But the funny thing is, is my, all of my education, I went from a bachelor's, I never got a master's. And then I got my Juris Doctor when I went to law school, but there wasn't anything that was kind of like catching my interest for a master's degree. And uh, finally, I thought, hmm, I really like this tech. I wonder if there's a program, <laughs> again, in the evening, because obviously not going to you know, quit teaching school. But in Duquesne also had a master's in a tech program. So I took that. So that was kind of the beginning. Um, but then when we got a STEAM grant in my school and had a makerspace, being the A&Rts, I was asked to teach hummingbirds. And, when <laughs> and I laugh at this because when I, when I tell this story and I think about when my principal called me in and said, so we're going to have STEAM and you have the A&Rs and teaching French and Spanish. We want some culture. Uh, you're going to teach hummingbirds. In my mind, I was imagining the ones that fly around my deck in the summer. I'm like, that is really interesting. Like, I don't have any experience with hummingbirds. What am I supposed to do with that? But I didn't tell him that. I was like, sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. I have the summer to figure this out. And then I went and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, makes total sense that it's like a robot programming. But um, so that was kind of my start to where I am now. But then once I got kind of good at that for two years, then they shifted it to the seventh grade. And he said, you need to do something different. And at that point, I was already looking at like augmented virtual reality, thanks to Jamie Donnelly. Uh, and I was you know, into gaming, coding, all of that digital citizenship was like a big thing that I really wanted to cover with students. So I said, I want to just do a course on like all of this. And so now I teach this eighth grade, what's next? And it's primarily emerging technology, but a large part of it is also doing some basic things. Like it's not always about the tech. I mean, with our society, like there's so much technology and and we need our students to understand how you can use it, the benefits and the things they need to be concerned about. But I love teaching them simple things like sketchnoting, for example, and then taking that and like adding layers to it, like putting that into something for AR, VR or, you know, whatever. So it, it definitely ties into a personal interest. But realizing that at the end of four or five years of, of, of a study of a language, later on in life, how many times I hear adults say, you know, oh, I had four or five years of French and I don't remember anything, but and here's a few phrases. So I do want them to learn the language, but I also want them to walk away with something that's going to lead them into whatever the next steps are after they leave my classroom, our school, and then move forward. So um, hopefully it's a lot of language you know, retention there that they've gotten. 
but also skills that they can apply and be adaptable to whatever happens in the world as they, you know, five, 10 years, 15 years down the road. So good. So good. So good. And again, you practice what you preach. You know, what I just heard you say was you were teaching, you were a, you look back on it now and a self-proclaimed, not, not as, not as amazing teacher as you wish you could have been back in the day, but you evolved. And part of that evolution came from getting a nudge from your principal who said, you're going to do this. And you said, mm -hmm. okay, a lot of people would have pushed back and said, uh, uh, that's not what I do. That's not my <laughs> You said, okay, bring on the challenge. You right. evolved it, but now you're out sharing your message with the world. I mean, you are, you're consultants, you are an author, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. Do you ever hear people that are shocked that you still have time to teach, that you're still in the classroom? Yes, <laughs> all the time. And, and it's funny too, because like, you know, and I say a lot of times when I present, I present at different conferences locally, you know, at the state level and, and, and nationally, but I really never liked public speaking. And the one thing that was another wake up call for me was there were these two seventh grade students that came into a PD session, I don't probably five years ago, roughly, and talked about books, showed their project, project on the smart board. And I remember sitting in there and I know, and I can, it feels like it was yesterday, looking around at all the teachers in the room and looking at them. And they were just like, cool as could be, no nerves, nothing. And I'm thinking, I'm nervous just even sitting here because I would never want to speak in front of the teachers. And I thought, wow, like they're doing this. And so that kind of is when I realized like, I need to start speaking, got into the tech a little bit, but then started to find opportunities for my students to do like a student showcase. Uh, we traveled to like a local conference and also our, our state affiliate of ISTE has um, an event for students in Harrisburg every year in May. And then we also have our state conference that happens in Hershey, PA. So I just started to take students to that. And I think, I mean, the combination of me getting the master's, getting into the technology, but having those students involved and building relationships with them over like, I mean, in some cases, I had one student in seventh grade who every year, she took five years of Spanish, got to know her. She presented. So I eventually got out of the, like, here I am, here's my session to, okay, here's the session, they're introducing it, I'm just going off to the side and letting them lead. And then that kind of gave me the idea of driving home probably, geez, three years ago, I thought about, I need to maybe write a book, but have them write in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, time kind of, you know, escaped a little bit, but I did get back to it. And actually, a couple of those students did write in both of the books so far. And a lot of the story and the, you know, the inspiration behind it is from that it is from those connections and that's the part where i'm like ah oh, you know i wish i knew this years ago so because i do write and blog and and i go to conferences you know people do have they're surprised and they say oh like you teach what do you teach i'm like yeah i teach spanish one through four in a steam course so it's you know i teach full time it's just that i'm very fortunate that you know some of the conferences are on the weekend or in the summer Oh, and then my school was very supportive that, you know, I really, I, I do not like to miss school, but if I can go somewhere for like a three day period of time or two day period of time where there's all of these different possibilities and educators from around the world that I can go and just get pieces of that and bring it back for my students. And then to share that, like that is so valuable to me. Um, but I, I just, I make time, but I have a lot of hacks. Like there are tons and tons of hacks that enable me to get my work done. Believe it or not. You're going to have to share some of those with me because for some people might not know this, but trying to schedule this time for you and I to talk has been hard because you are a popular, popular woman. I mean, you are getting pulled in a thousand different directions. You are, you are super popular. You are the it girl right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> right now. I am so not. But, but I think so. You are your you landscaper shell. Um, you really are. You, you're on the cutting edge. You know, you're you're talking about a topic that a lot of people are interested in, and I mm -hmm. I truly don't have a clue when it comes to a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. So when you start talking, I'm I'm like a sponge. I just want to eat it mm -hmm. up. But you've got that street cred too because you live it, you walk it, you're in it. So I, I'm 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 curious about finding that balance because it's mm -hmm. it's hard. A lot of people might look at you and say, "Oh, you got it made. You got <laughs> you're, you got you got everything. You get to travel. You get to speak. You." You're all over the place on social media and you've got a stable day job. You're just living the dream. It's so easy, right? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so so easy. No. So, no. Tell us how, how do you find this balance? It's funny because I I um I wrote a blog. Uh, probably, I think it was last month and it was like 10 ideas for self-care because that's important, right? If we're not taking care of ourselves, we're going to go into school, we're going to come home to our families and just be like a mess. And uh, I recorded a podcast, but it's funny because when I wrote and I also talk, I'm like, yeah, I really need to work on this one, you know, especially like the disconnect. But my problem with like disconnecting is that I feel like if I disconnect, I mean, I can't be without my device for very long at all. Um, I'm getting better at it, like going for walks. But even if I go for a walk, you know, I'm reading a, a blog or I'm listening to a podcast, um, doing those kind of learning things on the go, literally. But I feel like if I if I disconnect for too long, I'm going to miss an opportunity to help somebody at some point, and that really bothers me. Um, and I figure, you know, I can catch up on sleep because everybody always says, "Do you ever sleep?" Like, like the number one question, followed up by, "How many cats do you have?" But it's usually, a, you know, it's a toss up between the two. But I. I definitely have a system that I've gotten better at. Um, just as a couple examples, you know, like I get up in the morning and I always look at getting smart and I see, you know, what are the latest stories? I try to share those out across, you know, different platforms. Uh, on my lunch, I am, you know, working, but I'm either listening to a podcast while I'm doing things in my room or I'm sitting down, I'm reading, taking some notes on a book or catching a webinar, uh, you know, on the way home, catching up on Boxer, if there's conversations, listening to those. So, I'm moving, you know, it's always, it's not like all of that time. I'm just sitting focused on one thing and I don't watch TV and I've never seen Netflix. So that might, that might give me extra hours in a day. That one surprises people too. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Netflix, forget it. But um, just those little things. But a lot of times when I do write, you know, I'm not sitting down and physically handwriting a lot of things out. And I've told people that, and they've just been like, wow, like a few years ago, I was at uh, Summer Spark. And I was holding my phone, just kind of like walking in the room like this, talking. And Jason Bretzman walked by and then he came back and he looked in and he thought I was talking on the phone to somebody. And I said, yeah. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a blog. And he said, well, how are you writing a blog? I said, I'm just talking into a document. And he said, really? Is that how you do it? And I said, yeah. And uh, I was at, with Education Right Now, this summer with the group in Boston. And Danny Steele and I were talking and he said, I just got to ask you a question. Like, how do you find balance? How do you find time? And I said, I have some hacks. He said, like what? And I told him about that. And he says, I think you've just changed my life. <laughs> I said, seriously, like sometimes, you know, a blog, like it's hard to be consistent with some of those things. But for me, I can go for a walk. And if I'm thinking about a topic or if I have emails to do or whatever, I just open up a document or even an email and I just talk into it. And then when I get back home, I paste it. If it's emails, I divide it up. And one day I went and I came back, I had like 3,000 words. I'm like, that's two blogs. <laughs> that's awesome. But it's just things like that, you know. And then even, even a podcast, um, Dr. Will had me, I was like, yeah, you need to do this. So I just sit down during lunch and just record and, and go with it. I don't script it and whatever happens, happens. And the Periscope too, you know, uh, Meredith Johnson with Bookcamp PD, she's like, people need to see and connect. And, and, and it's not about like just selling my book. It's just things that I think of or things that I'm reading. Like I like to share the work of other people. Yeah. You know, I want to highlight what other people are doing. Like if, if you want to know what I'm doing, ask me, but like, I'd rather talk about like you and what you're doing and the things that are out there, you know, for educators. So, um, but I do tend to bounce around a lot and sometimes I will sit and next thing you know, like, three hours has gone by, but I've accomplished a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If, I don't think I've ever said this, but I've thought it a lot. So uh, <laughs> my morning routine, honestly, is, I take this as a compliment. You're like my morning librarian. <laughs> you know, when you used to go to the library and you knew you wanted to learn something. So you go to the library and say, where can I find some stuff about this? You are right. my, you're like my morning librarian. <laughs> what I do every morning, God is my witness. I'll go online, whether it's to, to Twitter or to LinkedIn, and I'll just type in your name, and you take me to something that's cool and amazing that I'm going to learn about. Because you share, you are like the, the archive of what's cool. <laughs> you, you go out there and you find all these cool stories and, and you share them. So, so thank you for yeah. being a librarian. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Curator. Well, thank you. But that, yeah, that's one of my, I mean, that is something that I've, I've tried to do every day, like at certain points, um, to help. And then, you know, when it comes to blogs, like, I write my own, but I've written those for, you know, like getting smart and some other publications, but 
I don't know all there is to know about these different trends and things and issues that are in education. And so that's why I've started getting guest blogs for my site because the different types of stories and different backgrounds and experiences and where all these people come from. Thank you, by the way, for having one of your blogs on my blog site. But it's so nice to get other voices represented because I don't want to hear from myself all the time. You know, like I want a lot of different voices and, and it helps me to learn too. Like, so that's kind of how I go about it in the morning. Like, Oh, this is interesting. It's cutting edge or it's, you know, future of future of education. What do we need to do for our students? Uh, and a lot with you know, like social, emotional trauma informed, like those topics that I hear a lot of discussion about in our classrooms, but there's not so much direction or, um, you know, people don't really necessarily know exactly where to go. And so I'm, I try to pick things that I think will be beneficial to a widespread audience and hope that, you know, it keeps just like passing the message along. And especially too, if it's somebody that I know who's had an experience and, you know, they got that firsthand narrative and they're sharing it and they want to really get the word out there. Um, those are the types of things I really try to be intentional about sharing too. Do you have any go-to people when you say, I, I need to just learn about something like, are there those people out in, uh, in the world that, that you know have a lot going on that you really gravitate towards? Yeah, I mean, within certain groups, like I'm in the four o'clock faculty PLN, so we have a boxer group, and everybody in there has, you know, there's something that each person is, I don't wanna say known for, but kind of like known for, you know, they're the go-to. Um, but it's just such an amazing conversation that happens in there, so there's always something to learn from them. With ARVR, Jamie Donnelly is just, you know, 100%, like she's beyond amazing. When I want to learn about uh, digital citizenship, for example, like Mary Alice Curran, David Lockett, if you, don't, if you know David, David Lockett does like, he does everything. He knows AI, he's got the ARVR, he's got the STEM, but there are some people that I really do tend to check out what they're doing because I know that they are, they either have not, they have so much time on their hands, but they are in the type of role or position that they get to work with a lot of different people or they get to be informed of these cutting edge things. And so like all of that. And of course with ISTE, you know, with the AI that you bring up, I only started to learn more about that about a year and a half ago to write an article for Getting Smart. And I was amazed at just the number of things out there. And so a year ago, GM gave this grant where 500 educators could take that ISTEU course as the first cohort. And I did go back and forth. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have time for this with everything else. Um, but then I thought, you know, how can I pass up this opportunity? And that was just a tremendous way to learn about the AI. And I just did a panel discussion on Sunday with uh, some people about AI in the future and education. It was actually the part two, because the first one went so long. We're like, we need a part two. And now the second one, we're like, we need a part three. But those are the types of places that I tend to you know, look toward or in those communities, just anywhere you can post a question quick and you get an answer. I mean, that's what's so great about being in education today is like years ago, you know, you had to go and sit in that PD session and it was just the one thing. And now you can sit at home and just anytime, like whatever you want to pull up, you want a podcast, blog, webinar, you want to do a Zoom, hang out with somebody who's like across the country. <laughs> it's like people are there. So um, even if I don't know somebody specifically, just searching on, you know, Twitter or some other form of social media, it's just, you can find somebody. That's so cool. You, you got this level of humility that you, you don't need. <laughs> I mean, think about your credentials. You, 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 you're doing it all. You've done it all. You've got the degrees, but yet you're still out there hungry for more. And the humility that you just dis displayed was basically all you do is you are just going out there and stealing and learning from all these other people. And I think that's such a powerful message for, for educators and for students that the world is constantly evolving. We've got to evolve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you've got to right. find people, not just a person, you've got to find people that you can continue to learn from and connect with. I love that mm -hmm. you're not part of one, one PLN or one little group. You understand that each group has its own, uh, its, its own value and you are looking for right continuing to grow yourself, not just the, the collective group. So yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I'm bowing down. You are you no. right now. You really do. No, no, no. But it's just, uh, it, it, you know, like I said, like I wasn't always this way, but once you get on that path where you're just like, you got this routine or it's like, I want to go, go, go. Like, what's the next thing? I mean, it's hard to back away from that. Because, you know, you know that you're going to miss something and I hate that. And, um, 
you know, you said about the technology, like I use a lot of technology, but it's funny because this school year, I have been using a lot less technology. We still do some games and stuff review because that's great with the, with learning Spanish. I mean, just that repetitiveness for them and, you know, student engagement. I mean, they're not, they're not all fans of playing games. So I mix it up. But the one thing that I've really tried to do is to get back to just like the teaching, like my own skills and my practice, like what was I not doing last year? And I'm trying really hard to just focus on like that aspect of it. Uh, doing more research and and I learned a lot about learning sciences this past year, yeah, about this past year, and that's not something that I had like a really deep understanding of um, and so just trying to i mean obviously make myself better because some one of the students said, well yeah, I, I like you, you know this class like you do this, this, and this and and you're a good teacher, I go, oh no, no. <laughs> I said, I can tell you I'm better than I was, but I still got a long way to go. And and, and I think that's true. I mean, we have to, we always have to be learning as teachers. I mean, we can't, we can take a break for a little bit. I mean, those summers off really don't happen, right? I mean, for me, it's summer. I'm like, oh, right. I get to learn. I got conferences. I can read. I miss my students, but I also know I need that time to kind of reflect on the prior year to get ready for the next year. And, um, and now that I've gotten out of the habit of like, wow, I just got to pull the folder out and do the same thing I did before because that was what I did for the first X amount of years and that was comfortable. So now it's like, I just got to keep pushing no matter what. I, I love that realness that you acknowledge that's where you were because there, there are a lot of us that were mm-hmm. and we, it, it's okay to acknowledge that that's where we were. It's okay. It, it's not okay to acknowledge that's where we are and continue <laughs> tomorrow, you know? Right. I appreciate that you own it and say, yeah, and then I've made the change. I'm continuing to grow. I'm continuing to evolve. And mm-hmm. you're spreading your message to other people now. I love that. So your, your latest book that you just wrote, I've got to ask, did you actually, did you keyboard that? Did you type that out? Or did you just talk into your book? <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. So um, last fall, I was actually writing three books at the same time while doing all the other things. It just, you know, it just happened. Like one was due November 30th, one was December 1st, one was like December 20th. But you can write three books at once, come on. I, I mean, I guess if you're writing them by yourself, but I, it was more important for me to tell stories of other people because I just, I, I like that component. Even presenting now over the past year and a half or two years, I mean, I will put a proposal in for a conference and I either ask somebody, do you want to co-present or if, you know, once it's accepted, and I think, you know, the time approaches, I'm like, oh, you know what? I need to add this person, this person, because we have all these different perspectives and it's not just me. I want like other people involved. But when I was writing these, a lot of it was just me talking and, you know, doing like into the text document and then fitting it in. But I had like just in my first book, in other words, between people that I had do graphics, the peer focus group, the stories, I think, and there were somewhere around like 40 people involved. And in some cases it was a short vignette, but I did that with the second book as well. And so I had like all of these posters and things up with quotes and who was going where and what, and I had, I had to put it all together. And one day driving home last November, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that part. Like, <laughs> I can't just slap them all in. Like they had to be weaved in through the story. And what I found was, yeah, my story's in there, but it weaves other people's stories in between. And the best part that I love, I mean, the most exciting thing for me is like hearing the responses from other people who are reading it about the stories that were shared and seeing those quotes coming out and those stories and those lessons. And I actually had to give a keynote back in April. And uh, I was like, I, I, and it didn't really have a theme. And I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. And I thought about the first book and the different quotes that came out of these other writers and I'm like, these are 10 things that I wish I knew when I started teaching, you know? And the first one was like, I, I should show like my real self. I should be able to connect and be relatable. And, and that wasn't me. And I'm like, these are things I wish I did way back then. But um, for me, that's been the best part. I mean, I've enjoyed the writing. I've enjoyed kind of putting the stories out there because I mean, for me, I didn't think I had anything to share. Even when I started to blog, I didn't even know what blog meant. And when I found out, I'm like, oh, well, that actually makes sense. But it's like, what would anybody want to know? Well, if your story just reaches one person, it might just be that one person that needs it. Because I've had people say, you know what? Teaching isn't for me. You know, I'm too different. I'm, I'm too weird. I'm like, different is good. Weird is good. Like, I'm weird. That's, that's fine. Like, everybody has something different about them. Um, 
and, and I, and I felt bad because they were feeling discouraged about the profession and, and their ability to be a good teacher or whatever, you know, the standard that they, that they held for themselves. But reading one story can make all that difference to that one person who might be feeling isolated. And I kept myself isolated for a really long time. And that was my own choice. And knowing now again, you know, like I don't, I don't want that for other people. I know sometimes it happens because it's a busy, it's a difficult profession sometimes. And so that's kind of the, your safe space to get the work done, to do whatever you need to do. And sometimes it becomes a matter of survival. But there were days I left school feeling like, oh man, you know, am I going to make it? And had I, had I reached out to somebody, but I didn't feel like I could because it's like, oh wait, I don't know what I'm doing. People are going to know. That's okay. Because there are, there are points in every day where I feel like I do not know what I'm doing. <laughs> and you figure it out as you go, right? So yeah, so that, that's my story. <laughs> you're, you're doing some mic drop in here because you're saying some things right now that I think are so important for a lot of people to hear. And they're things that I wish I could have heard 5, 10, 15 years ago. Because teaching can get extremely isolating. It, mm -hmm. And we are, by the nature of the profession, told that we're supposed to be the experts. We're, we've got 30 sets of eyes staring at us all day, expecting us to have all the answers. We close our door mm -hmm. and we're in charge. We have these forced protocols upon us at schools where we have PLCs and department meetings and grade level meetings to try to force us to collaborate because it does not come natural to us. And then mm -hmm. we self-isolate ourselves. I, I did the same thing as a teacher, as an assistant principal, as a principal. I isolated myself. I thought I was supposed to have all the answers and I mm -hmm. never up and said, I don't have a clue because I was afraid that, that would be seen as a weakness. And what mm -hmm. I started to learn, it sounds like what you're starting to learn too, is as soon as you open yourself up and say, I don't know something, it actually frees you to go learn something. <laughs> you go off and act like you have all the answers. There's no excuse to go learn anything. But when you can say, right. I don't know, doors just start opening. And yeah. I love how your own personal story, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but your own personal story truly is the story that, that you're telling with, with your books and what your presentations. You're, you're telling the story of this teacher that's evolved and now leans on so many others to keep growing. Like even mm -hmm. you talk about your book, in other words, that's, that's, the story, that's, that's the message I pulled from that. I mean, there's all these little vignettes and all these different lessons that come through it, but that's what I captured. Yeah. I, I didn't do this alone. I am who I am and okay. I am because of all these ideas. And it's so good. Right. Good. Okay. <laughs> but now you've got how many books in the pipeline right now? Uh, well, let's see. The two are out. The third one is going to launch um, around December 8th or 9th, somewhere one of those two days. That one is unconventional, and that's with EduMatch. And then my ISTE book is going to be probably March of 2020. And then there are two others that I'm currently working on that I have people writing for that should be out probably spring and then maybe, um, you know, early summer, I'll say, we'll hope. But those will be kind of inspired, similar style to the other two books where it's other stories and um, no spoilers, but it's going to be, I think they're going to be really interesting. I've gotten some of the stories in and, and one of them is about like one kid, like a lesson that you learned from a one kid, but there's a different kind of a spin to it. So we'll see how that one goes. I don't know which one will come out first because they're both in progress at the same time. But um, yeah, I'm excited about it just because it's more, more educators and students sharing stories. Um, and actually, even with my ISTE book, some former students share their stories to put little vignettes in there about like the impact of some of the different strategies and not even necessarily the technology, but, um, but just sharing their voice. And I love that. Just putting that out there. I mean, you can read about me, but the, in other words, that was the story behind it was I thought of it one night, like, Hmm, I got to write this book. Let me look at my notes. Most of my notes were quotes. And I thought, I wonder if you could do a book, like here's a quote in other words, like how do people view that or how do they apply that to their work? And initially it was going to be quotes that push our thinking in education. But then I thought, as I started to read more and more, I'm like, this could be read by anybody. You know, and, and I've had a lot of people read it who aren't in education and say, you know what, I really enjoyed reading the stories and not necessarily mine. I mean, just the different chapters and other stories that people are sharing their own experiences. And it's just really been an awesome experience for me to see the response to those other stories. You know, I mean, I just, you know, put it all together and added some of my own within, but, um, but yeah, it's, 
it's it's exciting. Your story is just it's such a good one. You you went from closed off teacher to mm -hmm. lawyer to teacher that wants to improve to teacher that's told they're going to teach something different goes out and learns how to hummingbirds to <laughs> yeah. person that goes out and travels and you are making your name by collaborating with people all over the place on how to become effective teachers on the cutting edge of technology. It's just, it's crazy. Do you, do you feel that? Do you feel like, wow, how did this happen? Yes, sometimes I do. And then I stop and think, you know, five years ago, I didn't have Twitter. It's like I just got started on it. I didn't want it. Yes. And then I think about how much my life has changed in the past five years. And uh, yeah, sometimes I do think like, how did I, I mean, it's just me. I just like to read. I like to learn, you know, that's, me but um it, it did come with costs right time away from friends family you know lack of sleep <laughs> and all of that but the the feedback that i get and you know the benefits and the connections that i've made with students with educators um is such a great payoff that it's it's totally worth it to have done it and to keep going with it right it's it's not easy i think just heard today you know again that reminder that it's hard work. You don't see the hard work that's happening behind the scenes. Right. You see the gifted ones when the world makes, when the world thinks it's easy. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, people, people look at all the stuff you're doing. They're just thinking you're living the dream, but they don't realize, I mean, we're recording this. It's nine 30 at night. You work all day. You've got <laughs> stuff happening all over the place. It's hard work. It to is. Learn and to keep growing. But like you said, it's worth it. It's so good. It is. So yeah. It's just, wrap this up real quick because this this podcast is blowing up now that people see your name seven billion people worldwide every single planet is on the edge of their seats right now waiting for rochelle to say what's next and what do they need what, what advice do you have right now for all of us to keep going and growing oh my goodness just like one thing <laughs> no um i mean just not not be afraid to put yourself out there I mean, that's the one thing, like if you, if there's something that you're struggling with or you feel like, oh, you know, like, I don't really know how to best teach this, whatever the concept is, or having challenges in my classroom with behavior, or I, I don't know the answers when my students ask questions. Like those are all normal things. I mean, we've all been there and just take one, it's like one thing, like you don't have to do all of the things, right? It's a progression. Like. I didn't, and nobody that, that does all these things, like is on social media or blogs or any of that, nobody just decide. I hope not, just one day like, I'm just gonna do it all. <laughs> Let me just sit down and crank this out. Like it's plus one, and I've had several friends say that at conferences, um, and it makes sense, you know, just find one thing to do differently. Just take one chance, and beyond that, just in general, one thing that I've been really trying to do with my students this year is, I read Ron Clark's The Essential 55, at the in, the in the summer and even reading that just myself I was like wow I need to be a nicer person I mean not that I I mean I'm not that I'm not a nice person but it gave me that perspective like you know I want for my, my our students I want our students to do some of these things but even just me you know, as a person I need to be more mindful about some of them so I made a bulletin board like that and I've really been trying to notice things more um, you know just do things, I mean, just naturally see what happens. But, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I saw a student, one young seventh grader come running through, trying to get to class, and they got to carry all the books. The books went flying. And, you know, you've seen it, like a lot of times people just walk on by, just let it go. And here come this tall junior, and he saw, and he looked, and he didn't say anything. He just bent down, picked up the stuff. But her face was like first panic. And then just like, what am I going to do? He picks them up, he hands them to her, and he said, are you okay? Yeah. And then she like smiled at him and then she caught my eye and she smiled at me and she just went walking down the hall smiling. And I'm like, wow. So when I had him in class later that day, I said, I got to talk to you because my trouble. I said, no, no, no. What I do? Did I do something? I said, you did do something. And I told him and I just said, you didn't even see any of her face, like any of her, you know, the reaction to any of that. I said, it was amazing. And then his mom came to open house. And I told his mom and she was like, you know, I said, it's just those kind of things. And I feel like those are the types of things that I need to be better about doing, like stepping in and helping, being observant of colleagues, of students that, you know, might, might need somebody to talk to or might be struggling with something instead of being like, all right, here we go. Here's like day 45 in my folder. <laughs> what are we doing today? And nothing else. Um, just 
doing something different. You know, try it, see if it works. And if it doesn't, that's okay. So good. So good. You, 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 you're preaching tonight. So I, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you. Taking, I appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you taking time out of your sharing all of this. Um, and one of the reasons I, I love doing this, this podcast is because selfishly, I, I grow with every single conversation because I don't have the money to travel across the country and meet up with amazing people like you. And this gives me an excuse. You know, I think I would be yeah. that if I just started calling people and said, Hey, can we just like do a zoom converse conversation? I just want to talk to you at nine 30 at night. That's, that's weird. But if I can frame it in, I'm going to do a podcast and we can just share this conversation with others. Right. I get value. And so do they. And mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it. I, I I appreciate you just being so willing just to have a conversation and just talk and be you yeah. real because you are a, a pretty amazing person. So, so thanks for sharing. Nah. Well, thank you. It was, uh, I, I, I do enjoy these conversations because you're right. Like the, the time change or it's time change, the, di the difference in time and the geographical locations. I mean, I had a conversation with a woman in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago and it was on a Sunday and I said, Oh, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. She's like, it's Monday morning. <laughs> I went, oh, oh yeah, my bad. I go, sorry, it's Monday, but, um, but yeah, it's just, that's one of the things I love about tech is it makes these things possible, which is just another, you know, reminder, like there's somebody out there, pick up Boxer, go on Twitter, you know, whatever. Make it happen. Zoom. Yep. That's right. So good. Well, thanks right. again. And I just hope that everybody's listening is going to go out and try that one new thing. Try something, take a chance, put yourself out there and and keep growing. So, yep, absolutely. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidow? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmitto.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.